I've been doing the wrong thing. So. Let's take seats, man. Peter's turning down the AC so that you don't have to strip off your clothes. You got a hot date, Chris? What's up there, bud? Uh, no, I did not have a hot date. Okay, just checking. I'm bringing it, uh, I'm bringing it to the non-vibrating mode, so we don't have it. Non-vibrating mode, so it's not on stun, but on Bright silent. So we're, uh, we're talking on the break about the home, the dynamics within the home, and... Uh, Didn't you have the last comment? You had the last word? What was your last word? Something about... The importance of watching my father. Yes, that's it, watching your father. Heck of a guy to watch. Yeah, the traditions that you mentioned is good because I feel like when your kids are on their own, you know, they, they'd like to have things that they can remember and when you consider, you know, we all know that there was... Traditions at Christmas, but the traditions I think they'll remember are the things like Joshua mentioned, or things that how their father met the needs in important times, and, and then created a routine, like you mentioned, keeping the plate spinning. Good. That, that will um, pay them well in the future. I think so. It would have been nice to hear about some of those beforehand. <laughs> I'd like to uh, I'd like to discuss some of those and how the home can operate. And uh, some of the uh, more burdensome uh, things that may come up where you know, Sally, the daughter, believes that she should become a nun or a missionary in New Zealand. Yeah, that happened a lot. Yeah, that's because we were trying to raise them to be nuns. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> should live up to that. That's a, that's a great heritage. Yes, sir. Just, you know, this idea of watching fathers, and it reminded me of the incident. I don't know how, I don't know how old you were, but he was, you know, I don't know, not eight, nine, ten, something like that. And uh, I don't even remember what it was, but he came and he asked me, he said, I think it was like he had to go to bed, and he was like, well, Dad, how come you're not going to bed? And I said, Jonathan, because I'm the king of the house, it's good to be the king. <laughs> and he said, I've said some he said, well, I'm a king in training. He's got it. That's it. That's good. That's good. That is very good. Go ask your mother. <laughs> That's it. That's it. What's your mother's? But I, I've given the answer. When you're the dad, you can do it too. <laughs> there's a there's actually a, an old Italian saying that a dad says to his, and it goes this way: Wait till you're a mother. <laughs> it just makes you stop and think. But it has to do with responsibility and caring for others. 
Well, I, I share two things with you real quick, just from my own life, and uh, it, take them for what they're worth. Um, um, but I was recently asked uh, about how the house ran uh, for years, and there was one overriding thing that I wanted to teach my children, and I think it's worthwhile mentioning to you, uh, especially if you're, you're not married yet. You might want to consider this. Um, for good or bad, the overriding premise that I wanted to teach my children was to know what I would do in every situation. And my wife and I would regularly leave to go to dinner, to go to a dance, to go to whatever, you know. And, uh, and early on, I didn't have to repeat it uh, very often, but early on, um, I made it clear to the eldest that I was living in charge, you don't need to worry. You don't need to be concerned. In every situation, do what you believe I would do, and I'll back you up 100%, even if you were wrong. If you truly believed you were doing what I would do. Now, i got to tell you, that sounds really cool. But it certainly does put a lot of pressure to demonstrate and live out the right choices more often than not so that your children can identify what you would do. Um, so that, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing I would share is that... Um, in most cases, um, when folks come out of professional Christendom and, and choose to be obedient to the Torah, uh, oftentimes one of the, the most egregious points of the walk is the giving up of some of the holidays that the church has embraced from the world. I don't believe that the church has any holidays. There's a period there. It's not a semicolon, it's a period. I do not believe that the church has any holidays. I believe that the church has embraced many holidays from the world. The church cannot, by definition, have any holidays. If they have any holidays, they must have been taken from the world. Because all of the holidays are defined by God in His Torah, and by definition they reject the Torah. Now you may want to play with Easter. Don't go there, you'll lose. Ishtar, yeah. Now let's not have the names of pagan gods on our lips. Right? So, uh, I think that, uh, I think that, I think that's a really tough time uh, in families. And uh, it's been my experience as I look back that uh, in the families that have trouble with the pulling away from those holidays which the church has embraced from the world, it only happens because of two reasons. The wife's too loving. The father's too easy. I've not found another option. Maybe you can help me there, but either the wife is too concerned about the emotional angst the kids are going to go through if they don't get a Christmas tree, right? Or the dad's not strong enough to say, I'm really very sensitive to your emotional makeup, but we're not going to do it. End of discussion. Now, it may have come out more loving in your family, in your house. But, you know, that was the deal there. So um, I, I think that uh, in, in, in this walk of Torah, where men must take that role, it is, it is a bellwether at the very beginning if we can't step to the plate and say, as Joshua did, you can pile your own canoe. You can do whatever you want. 
But as for me and my house, we will serve that Lord. Not that Lord, that Lord, or this Lord, but that Lord. Amen? Totally on board with you. My question comes up when you look at broken homes. There's a child shared between two parents, one of which, you know, maybe trying to get their act together, father or mother, and the other parent's just completely opposed to whatever the other parent is doing, and the child is shared. Okay, it lives with one parent part of the time, so on and so forth. This is, you know, just what's your question? The reality of our of our society. What's your question? My question is, how can you maintain an authority when the other parent is saying, "Don't do that"? You're a poop out of luck. It's as simple as that. You're going to reap what you have sowed, or what has been sown to give deference to whatever partner. Um, It's not best. It's not God's best. But there are consequences to sin. There's consequences to a broken marriage. And oftentimes, the problem is that the child is torn between two. Um, Whether it's the male or the female, I would encourage the one in, in the walk of obedience to gather up as many godly men and wise counselors as possible. That's where a community can help. I can't tell you the joy I had at Havdalah a couple of days ago, where I had a young boy in my kitchen, and I taught him how to light a match. It's not my son. I taught him how to light a match. I taught him how to light the multi-wicked candle of the Havdalah candle. And then I taught him how to safely put that match out stick it under the water, throw it away, and to listen for the sound of that candle being extinguished. Parents are standing right there. They've already taught this kid all that. But he's got this weird balding guy there now who wants to tell him. And it was such a joy. That's what community is all about. And that's what I would encourage that that, uh, split home to, to try and grab onto. It's a good point. I just uh, wanted to say I completely agree with what you said, that it's a ruling that has to happen within the house. And I wanted to add that uh, we're without excuse in this day and age. The knowledge is there. You bet. Everybody in, 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 the mainstream, in mainstream Christianity today is without excuse. They know the origin of these observances and of these dates. Mm-hmm. Yet they continue to practice them. Willful disobedience. Willful disobedience. I, I agree with you. Um, I, I do think that the scripture is clear in James, and uh, the master was clear uh, in his uh, rebuke that there will be a, a much greater condemnation on the teachers. And, and that's why, if you do have opportunity to stand up here and teach, you need to have your act together. Because, I mean, God is, God is definitely going to hold you more accountable for what you teach and cause others to go astray uh, than, than the average guy in the street. So, you know, it's, it's something, something to take note of and um, a moment of pause. Uh, I guess what I've observed in this walk, you know, particularly with a lot of people coming from uh, a background where they celebrated Christmas or Easter or whatever, is... Uh, not so much the decision for their home, but then it becomes a discussion of how then do we interact with our family. Greater family. And, and, um, in fact, I think you and I had this conversation. Yeah, we did, yeah. And I've seen, you know, I've seen, and of course, I, you know, when we first made the decision 10 years ago to not do Christmas anymore, you know, I mean, Anybody knows my mother. My mother was a Christmas fanatic. You know, I mean, off the hinges kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and so dealing with that, but then I have some friends that, um, you know, they they're very uh, they're very worth practicing in their in their walk. But 
when they kind of made that decision, we're not doing Christmas, it was like uh, they were very, they got very confrontational with the rest of their family, uh, you know, and, and our friend, you know, ended up really, um, in my opinion, harming his relationship with his father in particular, because his father was an assembly of, of God pastor. Oops. And now his son has gone off into Judaism or whatever, you know. Yeah. And what, you're not going to come over to the house for Christmas? And no, Dad, because that's pagan, that's, you're violating God's, you know. And it took a very Puritan kind of hard stance. Yeah. Good choice of word. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm not sure that's really the right, yeah. the right approach either. Yeah. I agree. What I, what I saw was a little bit of borderline, like kind of dishonoring the father. Exactly. You know, to, to kind of hold on to the Puritan stance, right? So, uh, and, and I'm not going to sit here and say there's one, there's a right answer, or everybody's got to kind of figure out how to handle that within their own families. But, um, but I know what we ended up doing is we said, look, Mom, we're not celebrating Christmas in our home, and here's why. Of course, she didn't really kind of get that, but um, she's starting to get it a little bit now. But uh, but okay. she was upset. I mean, literally, she cried and all this kind of stuff. And then, um, uh, and I said, we're, so we're not doing it in our home. And what we decided to do is to honor her because it's a big deal for her. Is for Christmas on Christmas Day we would go to her house. We'd have Christmas dinner with her. Good for you. Now, he, he brings up where I want to go. Okay, so, you know, it, it's just not the case that there's this written list of how to deal with people. There's not. Everyone's different. Everyone is different. Every situation is different. Okay? So, is there a command that you should not practice Christmas? No. But there are other commands that make it clear that you need to be separate from the world. You shouldn't imitate the uh, practices of those around us and so forth. <clears throat> Clearly, Christmas is probably not a good idea. Where's Alex Burroughs tonight? Yeah. So, uh, by the way, he's training up his children, which I was pretty glad to hear. Um, is there a problem going over Mom's house for Christmas dinner? Especially if you sat down and said, Mom, what's Christmas all about? And mom doesn't say, it's all about glitter and trees and, and, and presents and Santa. making the world and Santa. You know. But if mom says, well, we're celebrating the birth of the Messiah of the world. Well, gosh, mom, are you kidding? Of course we're going to be there. You get a double whammy. You get to bless the Savior of the world, celebrate his birthday, even if it's the wrong day. But don't we all celebrate birthdays on the wrong day from time to time? Didn't most of you come out and have dinner with me on my birthday? That wasn't my birthday. It was the day before my birthday, the day after my birthday. Come on. So what, what difference does it make if it's there and you get to honor your mother at the same time, right? So let, let's not be so fanatically sterile in our observation that we actually want to go out and violate other commands. I was just going to say that um, my mother doesn't isn't probably as far as the lady you were speaking of, but but pretty close. I lost like eight thousand, ten thousand Christmas cookies every year. No joke. That's pretty. She starts. She started last month. Yeah. My oh well then your your mom has my mom beat it. Seven thousand nine hundred and eighty. I'm just kidding. But. I mean, one thing, though, is, you know, they, they want to shower the grandchildren with gifts and, and everything, and, and I just thought that it would be helpful for her to understand, just to explain, this is what we are teaching our children about this holiday. So as you give this gift, out of your wanting to bless them and make them joyful and happy, they're not necessarily going to see it the way that you see it. Good. Good. And... It's great to let them know that and to bring them up to speed. Pretty much answered my question. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say that <clears throat> the conversation is making me feel very much at ease because... Um, I was trying to make you upset. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, 
because um, already I've been getting uh, <clears throat> phone calls from my family asking me if I plan on coming down to Florida for Christmas. And, you know, so I've been, you know, thinking about this, you know, that I'm wanting to immerse myself in the study of Torah and to adopt the Moedim and all of these things. Yes. How can I work my family up to this point so that they will understand what it is that I'm endeavoring to do? Um, in my situation, my dad is more understanding than my mother is, who's been nicknamed Christmas Kathy. And when I was back in Michigan, um, we were in the Christmas aisle, and my mom was looking at all of these, you know, different color wreaths and, you know, Christmas lights and just, you know, getting in the spirit of it. It's a fun time. It is. Oh, it is. Tremendously. And so she says to me, she goes, so Ryan, which do you think is a good one to buy? And, you know, of course, I'm thinking to myself, and I tell her, you know, well, really, I'm giving up Christmas, you know, as a part of this Torah walk in Messiah. And then she pulls me aside. She says, Ryan, do you still believe in Jesus? Yeah. You, good choice in the middle of the aisle at Target. That's a great time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know she's not going to start crying. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. She's a public place somewhere. I, 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 I want to ask you this. Shouldn't I be looking for opportunities to share my faith? Does everybody agree I should be? Does everyone agree that I should be looking for opportunities and little ins to turn things to the spiritual? Okay. I want to share with you that my personal opinion is when it comes to Christmas and your, your parents may not be plugged in the way you are, you should be very gentle and you should be very careful about when you do it. Because you're dancing around number five, guys. Everybody know what number five is? Honor your father and your mother, right? If you're going to dance around with a commandment that is extraordinarily clear, you need to get your butt in the right gear and be careful. Otherwise, you're going to try and put one commandment above another, and you know what? You lose. If it comes down to your prayer, you lose. Relationship, honor, opportunity, positive, positive you know, you're, you're going to lose, I guess. All right? So I would suggest that you, you try and go into the slow-mo, move-over-time thing, Okay? I will give you an example of my plan for Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. Oh, don't tell me that's pagan. The heavenly, <laughs> heavenly spiral cut ham is going to be on display. But there will also be a turkey and will be uh, at a relative's home. It's an inverted world. I, <coughs> I plan to, uh, to not only go for Thanksgiving, but I plan to spend an extra day. We're going to get there on Thanksgiving Day. We're going to have Friday for the family fellowship time that's been planned. But we're going to stay for Shabbat. And you know what? I'm leading a portion discussion. And my family is going to participate. And it's not going to be anything extraordinary. It's not going to be anything spectacular. It's not going to be any bells and whistles, no firecrackers. But we are going to go through the normal Shabbat motions that we go through so that I can use this opportunity to make it clear. We're not killing the chickens. We're not pouring the blood out on the floor every Saturday. You know, we stopped doing that weeks ago. Follow up to that. Chickens. I find myself in a very interesting position because, in this case, I don't have any parents or in-laws who celebrate Christmas. Thank you. Baruch Hashem. But that's a generational blessing. For those listening afar, man's about to marry my daughter. All right, But at the same time, there are people that we know. Who do, who 
you know, I mean, even at work, potentially have Christmas parties you get invited to, whatever else. How then do you balance that grace with people who aren't necessarily your parents, maybe not even close family, might be other in-law relatives or whatever else, especially now that um, we're starting a new family, we're starting a new tradition, there's kind of a break point there in general. Is this an opportunity for us to really say, I'm sorry, we've decided not to do that, or how do you do that graciously without creating friction for this new relationship now? Yeah. That, you know, I, I personally think the answer is very clear. When it comes to family, all bets are off. You've got to put on kid gloves always with family. You, you have no choice. You can pick your friends. You can choose the arguments with the pagan and the man on the street. You're stuck with your family. So why toss it in a toilet? Be a witness. And make that witness last. There's no reason to be offensive. Be defensive. Without question. But if you've already made it clear, you're celebrating the birth of the Messiah, <laughs> you're, you're only four or five weeks late. We did already, but we gladly do it with you. Sure. Yeah, what are you doing? Okay. Hey, Pop. It's tree in the house. <laughs> did you know Jeremiah actually talks about I know, I know. It's, it's hard to believe it. There's actually something in the Bible about bringing a tree in your house. Yeah, we'll look at it some other time, but yeah, let me look that up, you know. <laughs> Work, work it. Work it, yeah. In response to your question, Joshua, one of the things that I've found that's, that's been easier to deal with friends, because family, like you said, very clear-cut, but friends are difficult, and one of the things that I've found that that's, makes it easier is focusing on the intention of getting together. For them, I mean, obviously, in, a, in the case of like a Christmas party, their intention is to celebrate Christmas in some way, but the underlying intention is to just get together and fellowship. So I've always found that it's, it's easy to offer the alternative of saying, look, we would love to get together with you. I know that's your intention for having this get-together. Unfortunately, we can't make it to this, but we would love to schedule another time, and, and just to do it a little bit differently. Good. Like that. So that very, was, very deferential. Exactly. For those listening from afar, that's my current son-in-law. The um, understanding, especially with parents, that they're and actually we shouldn't be surprised at all. Their their fear is you've you've abandoned forsaken the faith. You've gone to some other and the irony is I mean they would be shocked if they hear themselves say it. The irony is they've based that decision upon the granddaddy of them all, Christmas. That's right. Not denying the Messiah, but Christmas. Christmas. Um, and and it's one of the reasons why it's it's a it's a indicator of its deep spiritual and evil nature that it is that it is in fact seen by many as the ultimate. It's it's more important than virtually anything. But on the but on the other side, I, the irony is I actually have seen the way that people treat me and it gives me an indication of how I need to treat them outside the family setting because I man I have people people I don't even know at work give me Hanukkah cards? I mean, it's like, what's up with that? I mean, they're, they're actually being very deferential to me. Very gracious. So in, so in my response to them, I try and do, I, I don't give Christmas cards, but I try and be very deferential to them as well. Sure. Uh, I don't give them Christmas gifts, but everybody's giving gifts. I buy gifts for everybody. I give it at Hanukkah, but I do buy gifts for everybody. Good for you. I, I think the bottom line that you should be hearing through this thread, gentlemen, is... It's okay to stand your ground. It's okay to be extraordinarily orthodox. But don't be a jerk. Come on. I think a lot of it has to do with people getting stuck in a, a rut almost, a rut-type mindset. Um, you mentioned Mr. Wright, who you were hoping would be here tonight. And um, I remember his son Jeremy sharing with me about how he was teaching in his Sunday school class, and one morning he comes in and says, all right guys, I want you to open up and tell me where it's where the command to celebrate the birth of Christ is. And the room just kind of chuckled. And it's like, well, it's like, yeah, you're not going to find it. And, all right, so let's turn and talk about this festival. It's like, the room just kind of... 
<laughs> it's it's <laughs> a beautiful point, thing. It is, and so we can we can have that uncompromising um, and and almost light-hearted but still solid and exactly. to the point yeah. approach. Yeah, we don't we don't have to be jerks about exactly. it. That's good. Um, going to your point about standing firm, I recently had a situation that uh, offered me the opportunity to be a little bit of a cool example um, to some of the, my RTC brethren. Um, and a little bit different from, from Christmas, but still a applicable situation. Um, you know, they had a big get-together this past Saturday, and I was unable to come to services because of that. And uh, it's a big thing they do every semester, and it's extremely important for camaraderie to be there. It's just part of what you do. So I said, okay, I'm going to Go to that, that's fine. And uh, I talked to one of the guys, one of the head guys, about it. And um, I was like, yeah, I'll plan on coming. Uh, it's the Sabbath, but, you know, for camaraderie's sake, I'll be there. He goes, great, well, we got chicken for you. Because we know you don't eat pork. How so about we that? We got chicken for you. And I said, thank you, but it's probably being catered and cooked. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, thank you so much. I appreciate it so much. Um, but I don't think I'll probably be able to eat that. I think I'll probably have to bring my own stuff. But thank you so much for being so considerate of me. He's like, oh, okay, okay. And uh, it actually was really cool. They ended up having um, chicken with, um, like, barbecue chicken with buns, but they also had a separate chicken dish that had clearly been cooked completely separate from anything involving pork. I think they'd actually gone to extra effort to make sure that it was about as kosher as it could be for me. I felt bad the fact that I, I was able to eat it because it was Saturday and eat cooked food that was catered. Nonetheless, like, they, then when I was sitting there and I was eating something different, people asked me, oh, well, what's the deal with that? So I got to explain, well, see, I'm, I'm messianic and, you know, I, I don't I'll eat stuff on Shabbat. And so I eat cooked food on Shabbat. So they offered me a cool opportunity to explain to others graciously. Amen. And then, um... You'd have to be a jerk about it. Exactly. There it is. I like it. Okay. So, we've heard that part. The, um, the day-to-day interaction uh, in the family is, um, is probably not something that we can get into tonight. Um, but certainly, there are issues, topics choices that come up in every family. And uh, I just want to spend a few minutes and talk about, well, how do you make those choices? And I had one discussion uh, during the break. Um, Sally has heard a word from the Lord. She's been called to be a missionary to Afghanistan. That's funny, Rick's doing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What is she carrying? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess the, the you know the question comes down to suppose Sally's parents say I I don't think you should go to Afghanistan. What should Sally do? I mean, she is so absolutely convinced she has heard a word from the Lord. Yes? I have a question, just to add to that, just maybe another dimension. Um, does it matter whether or not her parents are born again? Okay. First point. Well, in speaking the hypothetical, there shouldn't be a mission board in the world and why do you say that, sir? Because any mission board with any salt would never permit a young lady to go unmarried when their, their parents, her parents are not agree. There it is. Interesting. Now, why would any mission board worth their salt come to that conclusion? <laughs> <laughs> Number five. That's, That's it. Number five. So, hypothetically speaking, I don't know what we're talking about. So, now, Johnny, we'll have to use a different name. Um, Sam, Sammy is, um, Sammy's 27. (laughs) 
Sam is uh, 27, and he's been known as a sloth for the first uh, 23 years. But over the past four years, he's really stepped into the plate now and has a job. And Sam is uh, living with his parents. And uh, he's not married. And he's not married. He's not married. And uh, he's considering going to the mission field. And his parents are not believers. And Sam's dad makes it clear that he's just crazy about his son and doesn't mind his faith, but he really thinks that Sam should go to college and get a degree in law. And then after that, if he feels still led to go to the mission field, that he should do so. But not until after he's got the law degree to fall back on. So Sam comes here next Tuesday night and asks all of you, should he go to law school or should he go to the mission field as he believes that God is leading him? How would you cancel him, Jonathan? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. That's what I say. Who's paying for law school? And for those listening afar, that is my son. Four years ago. It's really stepped to the plate now. Okay. Well, um, that's a tough question, but I think um, I, I think there is a sense of going to the mission field would, would ultimately be the correct choice. Go to the mission field. I would say that I don't see how going to some foreign country would be different from making your college the mission field. Excellent. But I think at the same time, um, his father is giving him the option of potentially going in the future. And so, one thing that I would say, unfortunately, oftentimes, I think that we so easily misinterpret hearing from God as though that is a spiritual event completely devoid of any physical experience. And that therefore, this sense in my spirit or this thought going through my mind trumps every circumstance. Certainly, if you really feel it's from God, that does can step to the foreground. But I think that unless an angel stands in front of you and reads scripture to you, I mean, even then you have to question it. I think you have to be careful to look at what is God's word said. You know, the prophet that tells you, go follow, the is a miracle, and then says, go follow another God, you stone. So in the same sense, um, I think that honoring your parents is important enough that, especially in this case, he's got it out. Go to law school. Get the degree. Who knows? God may be sending you to China as a lawyer so that way you can get in. Mm-hmm. You know, and the idea being that somehow that word in my spirit demands I act now in disobedience to my parents or in contravention to the circumstances God's put in my life, it may not be the right time yet. Gentlemen, I want you to have a peace and a joy in your walk. And I personally believe that if you study the Word of God, when questions and decisions arise in your life, you should be able to make the decision, slam dunk, right away, no problem, most of the time. Not all the time. But in this one, you don't even have to, in my mind, you don't even have to think about it. Your father said no. How big is your God? Big enough to change his mind. Oh! Really? Well, not in time to make the boat to Afghanistan. I don't think so. Come on. If your God is God, He can turn the heart of a non-believer. We know that. How many times? You were Daniel. He definitely can. You come on. I was thinking of Peter's vision, where it's like as if 
God is telling you to do something contrary to what you know Scripture says, then he continually says, no, I, I'm not going to do that. And that inevitably was the right thing to do, because I just it doesn't make sense that God would call you to do something, to, to disobey your parents. Like some extra revealed thing outside of Scripture can't contradict what Scripture says. Oh, there it is. Good point. That's what? Well, I mean, we're obviously we're, we're separating between a positive and a negative command. If, if the father said, you know, uh, you know, I want you to go uh, live with this woman over here and not be married, you'd say no, you know, obviously. Good. Uh, so it's the, it's the difference between what you think God's told you to do that's extra biblical versus what you're being told to do that is clearly written. Exactly. Right. Oh, yeah, we're talking about confirmation, right? seems to me that he's salt in that house. Good. Very so, good. doesn't he? Wow. Right there in the house. What a Excellent. What a Excellent. opportunity. You know, you know, you don't, I don't even have your values, but I'm going to honor you. That's amazing. And it's a testimony. Well, I mean, I think we had this conversation a couple classes ago, but the Bacol and its rank of authority is like Third, yeah. not near the top. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so uh, Bacol is the. So that's not to discount a Bacol. Right. You know, and if somebody comes up to me and says, you know, the Lord told me this, well, I'm not going to immediately say, you know, he didn't. Unless, of course, the next thing out of his mouth is something that's. Go kill the president. Right. <laughs> Vote Democrat. (laughs) 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 Because who am I to know what God may or may not have said to that person? Exactly right. So I'm never going to argue with somebody that God didn't say something. Right. Unless. Unless it's clear from all the other. He could have said it. Right, exactly. Someone may have said something to you, but I know it wasn't my God. It may have been your God, and we can talk about that. And that's where. Yeah, that's where <laughs> but if he's my God, you'll tell me. That's right. <laughs> and that's where these other uh, things of, you know, waiting on the Lord, confirmation, uh, counsel, you know, all have to all have to, to come into play. Yeah. You know, but I think I think there's. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's I guess different levels here because there's also times where you can have a, for lack of a better term, a leading impression. So in my own situations where I just suddenly felt pray for this person. Mm-hmm. You know, now, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't for us to take action in a certain situation, we need to learn to be quickly obedient to Amen. Them. Amen. And, and that's, that's and what we call, that's what in the vernacular is sensitive to the Spirit. Yes. Uh, because God, I, I've seen God use that in other people. I've seen God use, use that to minister to me. I've seen God use that in me to minister to other people. Sure. And so we don't want to discount those types of leadings or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. But, the, but, but to say God told me to do something, he may have said that. But he, he, but we should also be looking for a confirmation Amen. from our, the Amen. authorities in our life. Yeah, where it's needed. Right. Uh, so I'll give you a couple examples along with, with what uh, Greg has just said. Um, and I'm not as spiritual as he is. Um, I rarely get these unctions to pray for somebody, especially you. I never pray for you. Um, <laughs> that'll be uh, two, two, two things that have happened. It's around January of a particular year, and I just feel impressed. I pretty voices. It wasn't James Earl Jones. But I feel impressed that I need to learn a specific 
from the scriptures. I know. Preach something topical, repent right away. But, um, so I begin to study in, in great detail on a particular topic in the scriptures. And about three months later, I got it. I'm ready to stand up in front of you guys and pontificate. No notes. Let's just talk. Because I own it. And about two weeks after I'm done, I get a call from some church or from some organization and they want me to come and speak. And I'm going to speak on that topic. I can tell you this happened at least three times in my life. Unfortunately, at least one, I delayed, I hesitated, and I wasn't done studying yet. And I had to scramble. So I have learned, when I get that unction to react, get my button gear and study. Do you believe that when you're driving your car and you get to the stop sign, you could go left, you could go right, do you believe God cares? Do you believe God cares whether you turn left or right? You're walking down the aisle in Harris Teeter, you need to buy toothpaste. Do you think God cares what toothpaste brand you buy? It's made in Israel, maybe. <laughs> I think the answer is yes to both. Uh, yes. Now, your mileage may vary, and I don't think he cares all the time. But if you get to that stop sign, and you normally go left, and something inside you somehow is telling you to go right? Guys, what do you have to lose? Go right. You never know. It may be my God. Better. It may be your God. (laughs) As far as what toothpaste to buy, I think he does care. Stewardship comes into play, whether you're supporting Israel whether you're a schmo, whether you don't brush your teeth at all, whether you ought to brush your teeth, yeah. Hey, we're not going there. Now, which commandments are we supposed to keep until the point of death? Which ones are we supposed to guard? Mm. Regardless. Without question? Without question. Always. Indeed. What do you got? I'm, I'm asking one, two, three. Where? You mean which ones should I allow my life to be taken? Like eat swine or, or will kill you? It, 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 if there's the, the issue of dishonoring your father or mother is, uh, takes uh, a precedence over dishonoring God, is, where is the cap? Ooh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, that's, that's kind of complex. That's different from death. That is. But death is, is idolatry, uh, right. murder, adultery. Yeah, yeah there's a, there's a, the, the sages have a, a short list for those, uh, right? Profaning the name, blasphemy. Yeah, and we, and we see, you know, f- from history that they would they would avoid doing that. But that's good. Yeah, I just uh, so I see we uh, commandment precedence and then the that's importance it. of relationship. Yeah. You know, not to tarnish our witness, as you said, not to be a jerk. And then I see technical the term of timing. You know, it may be for Hashem, you know, but it's not the right time. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, if I might, I wanted to share a funny story. Please. Uh, there was a man who had a dream. Uh, in this dream, he was, he was out in the field, and he saw a hand in the sky mark out two, two letters in the clouds, GP. So he feels impressive uh, that God is telling him to go preach. So he sells everything that he has, and he goes to the mission field, and uh, it's horrible. You know, he just endures one trial after another, and he sees no fruit. And so uh, he finds himself in, in the middle of a small village, and he runs into... To Catholic monastery, or, or the, you know, and he's kneeling in the altar, you know, and he's praying to God, and he, he's weeping before the Lord. And he says, "I don't understand. You, you, you called me, you told me to go preach, and here I am, and, and uh, nothing is, is is there's no fruit." And then all of a sudden, God speaks to him and says, "I said, go plow." So, I like that. I like that. We need to be careful. I heard it with PC, plant corn, and he thought it was preach Christ or something. <laughs> plant corn. Yeah. Yes, sir. To answer your question, I think that if we were to eliminate those types of questions from the Talmud, we'd be left with a sliver. Yeah. Because the Talmud is so full of men 
asking those questions where they were weighing commandment against commandment. And it doesn't always seem that way. When you read it, you don't always necessarily see those. That's always what they're doing. They're, they're trying to find the, 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 the hierarchy, well, not the hierarchy, the priority in obedience. And because we're always, you can't go through life, you can't go through a day without choosing what's best. That's right. In the commandments and obedience. That's exactly right. Final comment. And just to go back to this issue, since it also ties in with Chris's discussion earlier, I think that our approach, even when it's clear what our answer has to be, always needs to do its very best to maintain the commandments of God. That's love, that's compassion, that's honoring those in authority. And I look at Daniel's example. Daniel knew, without a shadow of a doubt, that to eat the king's food would be idolatry. No way around it, and that's one you can die for. I mean, his, his friends later get thrown in the furnace for it. But that worked out pretty well, though. It did. And, but, what Dan, <laughs> but what Daniel does is he goes to the authority. Makes an appeal. And he makes an appeal. He says, look, I'll make you a deal. My God's big enough. Feed us this. And check out what happens. So I think that that's an appropriate response. And I think that with the father who's saying no, pray. You can make an appeal. If it's definitely no, keep praying. In the case, even where it's explicit, where it's like, the parents want you, they're demanding, you've got to be there for Christmas, we're having a tree, you better show up in red and green. We're going to shove pork down your face. Find ways to make an appeal, even before you have to defy open. That's right. Because I think that ultimately, that witness is going to be powerful. Because Second Peter makes a point. When you have a wife of a husband who's not a believer, if she treats him with honor and deference, not with gold and jewelry, she'll win him to stuff, the faith. She'll win him over. To the faith. Amen. His was the final comment, but I defer to you. Rob, <laughs> uh, It made me think of having a thought, and again, pertaining to this whole thing of how we handle these situations, particularly with family, and, and uh, but not necessarily with family. I mean, if, if we go, you know, one of the conversations I have lots of times with other Messianics who maybe aren't uh, as persuaded to... Follow the Torah. Follow the Torah. Um, like we could. I've had multiple conversations where they say, "Well, yeah, you know, we're going, we're going home uh, for for the holidays to see family," and and they're like, "Yeah," and, and you really don't like going because you know, mom always cooks ham, and you know, I, I, you know, ham, but we go eat ham, and when I kind of ask him about that, well, why, why would you eat the ham? Well, because we want to be a good witness. We don't want to, you know, we don't, want to offend, we don't want to offend anybody or, you know, and exactly, wait, wait a minute, how is, how is that being a good, what's the better witness to cave and compromise and be just like that? And, and, and eat something that God's clearly said is not food. Or to say, you know what, Mom, I, I appreciate it, but we can't eat that. And, and we'll bring our own food, don't worry, we'll bring our own food. You know, and turn that into an opportunity Amen. to share why. What's the better witness? Yeah. You know? If no you choose a compromise, you wouldn't be the Messiah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. Exactly. Good. Gentlemen, what is the worst enemy of the best? Good. That's the worst enemy of the best. It's good enough. I don't have to do the best. That's a problem. That's not what we're called to. Maybe the folks next door are. Maybe your friend is. That's not what we're called to. We're called to the best. We're supposed to be in training to be tzadikim. Righteous men. Not good men. Righteous men. That means that over time, given the choices which we have every moment, we make the best choice. Not the good choice. Not the better choice. We make the best choice every time. That, that's not easy. But through practice and repetition and tradition and routine, and a godly wife that will help you 
it does become a bit of a habit. And we walk in those rhythms of righteousness. We are about to stumble into Hanukkah. It'll be upon us before you know it. This is the best type of year. Not the best time of year. It is the best type of year. Because this type of year, we have Hanukkah overlapping with Christmas. That's really good. Because now, you not only get to play Christmas if you must, but practice Hanukkah at the same time. And I want to encourage you. The only Jews on the planet that give gifts for Hanukkah live in this country because they've been poisoned by Christmas. <coughs> Fight the urge. So, well, they celebrate the birth, we'll celebrate the conception. That's right. That's right. And we can go through that whole thing and it's awesome. So, there it is. All right. That's right. It's not the Jewish Christmas. My goodness. We are not meeting for um, as a as a community um, on the Shabbat after Thanksgiving because my family will not be here. Um, I had actually suggested to my family that we just leave the door unlocked and let you guys set up the chairs and have a good time. Um, but they didn't feel comfortable with that. So, um, so we're going to uh, cancel that. Yeah, there you go. Um, not that I would have a problem with that, to be honest with you, quite frankly. Um, but we are meeting on Christmas Eve. Just because we can. Because we can. Last year we met on Christmas Day. We did. And I got to tell you, I am still flabbergasted at the number of people that showed up. Okay. Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has taken note of his people and sent them redemption, causing the horn of salvation to flourish for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke to his holy prophets who were from long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, showing devotion to our fathers and remembering his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father, Avraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to allow us to serve him without fear, with honesty, and with righteousness before him all the days of our lives. Your deeds are great and fearsome, O Lord, of legions. Your ways are righteous and true, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and give honor to your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations will come and bow before you, for your righteous judgments have been revealed. Blessed are you, O Lord, who has redeemed Israel. Amen. Amen. Gentlemen, I thank you. I'm praying for each one of you. Individually. On a regular basis, no, but I mean, yeah, once in a while. I am, uh, I am still in awe that there are so many of you that are truly concerned about righteousness. Especially since I know, at least most of you realize, there are no brownie points. It has nothing to do with your place in the world to come. It's because you want to be obedient. And that's really cool. And I know my master's up there and he's really proud of each one of you. If there's anything I can encourage you with over this holiday season coming, please call upon me. I will have the Christmas quiz online before the week is out so that you can share it with friends and family. Since Hanukkah and Christmas overlap, we'll be getting together for Hanukkah stuff and getting with family, no doubt, for Christmas stuff. But you don't want to spring the Christmas quiz on folks right before Christmas. You need to give them time. Because they need to open up each one of those Christmas cards and get the theology right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. God bless you. Yes. I shamelessly took your Christmas quiz and it's on my site in an HTML form.
Praise God. There we go. So send me that link and we can post that too. Outstanding. Please, shamelessly do that as much as you can. Yeah, that's just copyright. You I have love the right to copy. copy. You have the right to copy, yeah. I love giving that thing to people. It is so cool. Um, several years ago, I actually gave out the Christmas quiz to every one of my clients and told them that I would give them a month of the help desk for free and a $100 bill if they could max the Christmas quiz. And one get right back right away. How many opportunities do we get? Because he wanted to turn it in, find out how many got wrong, and rework those and send it back in. Rework, yeah, yeah. So I took him to lunch. <laughs> That's right. God bless you, man.